want to thank everyone for tuning in to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. And thank you for continuing to share the show with your friends and, you know, co-workers, wherever you happen to know and enjoy podcasts. Um, while you're sharing it, if you could give us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Podbean, where our show originates from, anywhere that you can give us a five-star rating would be appreciated. It helps us climb up the metrics and be able to bring more content to you. And if you've always wondered, hey, what do they look like while recording the show? Well, for almost a year now, we have been streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash geek in the city you can interact with uh, fellow listeners you can interact with us you know what we just have a great time every week hanging out and being you know just the nerds that we are we all have a lot of fun we would love you to join us twitch.com forward slash geek in the city as always the podcast will always be free and let's get it started right now yeah okay Oh, bring the microphone oh, closer to my. Uh, sorry about that. It's all right. A little closer to my mouth. We're only live now. It's fine. Oh my! Why hello and welcome to issue six eighty three of Geek in the City Radio. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Bean Arita. And I'm your other other host, Cable Hush Tommy. Well, shake it, everybody. We sound great. We do sound great. I don't know. It was just like very pleasing. Oh, oh, okay. I was like, wait, are you hearing something that I'm not? No, I'm saying we sound I am. great. Hold on. Everyone get really quiet. Mm, I'm also hearing the fluorescent lights because I have a crazy brain. Crazy brain. I think you were picking up the uh, latent sarcasm that underlies everything that Denise says, even when she's not being sarcastic. That is true. I think I just default to that response. Yeah. So I, I not only trauma, have it's a trauma response. I not only have resting bitch face, I have resting bitch voice. I didn't say that. But... It's okay. No, it's okay. I'm not I'm I have a mean voice. Ask my dog. What? Does your dog ever hear I, your happy voice? I, I didn't say that either. So <laughs> I don't see sarcasm as either mean or bitchy. Um, it can be, but it is not inherently. I am used to it being interpreted that way. Mm. I've, I've unintentionally made people cry. Do you think you with, do it with un- my sarcasm? You what you is your ratio to unintentionally, unintentionally made people cry and intentionally made people cry? Yeah. Is it like what? a two to one? <laughs> Processing. Is it a ten to one? No, like, no. Maybe? You know what? Honestly, I I could probably count on one hand the number of times I've intentionally wanted to make someone cry. Okay. And and trust me, they deserved it. I'm sure they did. I don't doubt that at all. Um hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I if I don't have sarcasm voice, I have um direct voice which is always interpreted as angry voice. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know what I have. Cable, sometimes your voice comes across me as disappointed voice. Yes. Yeah. It's a subcategory. Yes. It is a subcategory of... of... (laughs) Do you feel like I'm disappointed in you, Aaron? No. Okay, that's good, because I'm not disappointed in you. No. I don't think I've ever been disappointed in you. Oh. I'll work on that. 
You've tried. You have tried multiple times over really? the years. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And yet, try, my try reaction again. is still to be supportive and build you up. Because yeah. you are... Wish you were my dad. You were, you're the best at tearing yourself down. That's true. So yes. someone has to counter that. That's right. You're the best, Daniel. You're the best. <laughs> I actually had a conversation with a coworker about that's a role I take with one of my other coworkers because I watch others like tear them down. It's like, nope, I, I, I'm going to have to pick dad role. Oh, right. Aaron, are you eyeballing my... I'm um, trying to see what you were drinking. I saw yuzu. I'm going to assume it's delicious. It's a Shimai Toshi uh, Brewing Company yuzu hard seltzer okay. purchased here at the Guardian Games studio, studio in Actually, the back no, of the Guardian it... Games Superstore. Is this still called the Critical <laughs> No, it's just referred to as the bar. Okay. Um, the... In 2019, when the store was purchased, oh, yeah. um, they kind of did away with all of the fun names. For yeah, all the spaces. Yeah, mm. not I'm. I I get it, sort of. Um, they were cheeky, and I'll miss them mildly. Sure. Only mildly. Whoa. Sorry, I can't share this with anyone. Maybe you two once the cameras are off. Okay. Well, maybe. So I'm, I'm doing a, I, I have approved a project mm-hmm. that will require like props and models. And this person just sent me like part of the model that a person will wear for this project. Okay. And it's kind of fucking mind blowing. Cool. Things, this thing's actually happening. Well, that's cool. That is neat. Super sweet. Woo. Yeah. I think. What about yeah, what's so- happening right here? What are we doing today? Today, <laughs> well, we're going to get back into How was that? Was that a good segue? I'm, I'm very loud. Is it, does it ruin the good segue I when I bring agree. up the fact that this is a good, when I ask if this is a good segue? Yeah. And then stutter yes, through you're, that? You're, you're breaking the... It's not, it's not the fourth wall. What is that? When you're it like, is still technically the, still fourth the fourth wall. wall. Is yeah. it? Okay. It's just audio. Whether it is literal or figurative or metaphorical, That's it's true. always the fourth wall. Don't literally break any of the walls. We oh, need, yeah. We need the little soundproofing we have. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, we are going to be doing two episodes of season three of Avatar The Last Airbender. In fact, the first two of season three. Yes. Correct. Uh, but also, we're going to talk about. I feel like Geek and City Radio does this about every five years. It goes through like a format change because I don't know. We get bored, you get kind of stale, and you want to do right. something different. Pandemics happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, we're moving to an all live erotica reading show. Um, we're going to start with uh, the story that Bean wrote. So, she's going to give a little teaser about it right now. Uh, the thing that you have to know is that my the character that I'm going to voice sounds like this. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's so hot. And it, I can't, I, I, I cannot and, improvise. I was really hoping and in response, like, uh, <laughs> the character that my uh, that I will be portraying sounds a lot more like this. I'm just gonna. Use my <laughs> oh no! Oh yeah, that's it. Give it to me, baby. Peg me like that. Oh, yeah. Right there. 
Aaron is now regretting that he brought this up as a bit. I know. I was like, this will be a funny bit. That won't yeah. all throw me off the rails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Oh, man. It makes me miss that Keela and I never got to do those sexies and Nestle Snipes uh, erotic radio hour. I mean, never say never. That's true. Yeah. Um, that is not what we're doing. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope oh. that, like, we didn't set you guys oh. up for disappointment. Everybody put your pants back on. Relax. Um, or don't. I don't care. I'm not putting uh, my pants back on. Good. Uh, so, yeah. A, we're going to try to have at least an interview every month, I believe. Yeah. Um, and we've done this before, and you guys all really seem to like it. We're going to bring back live gaming. Mm-hmm. Where once a month, we will pick a different board game or card game. We will play it live on the air. Like, I don't think it's spoilers to say we will be playing the second edition of Illumet next week. Right. We may do that the week after because oh, week next after. week. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I thought maybe we were going to have them at the same time. I don't know that we can do that. It's a lot. Okay. Well, either yes, way. Yes, because Illumat is a little bit complicated uh, for people who aren't familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you have to do a lot of talking and explaining the first go around. Mm-hmm. And not to say that this is like, I mean, it'll be new for you because you missed yeah, it that's on why the previous thought- iteration. That's why I thought we were combining it since we are having Keith and Jen remotely. Oh, remotely. Right. Right. There you go. So we get that extra mic situation. Yes. I'm um, working on it. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, I think it makes more sense to do them separately just from a timing standpoint. No, I get that it. That way yeah. uh, Keith and Jen can uh, go on as long as they need to, and then the game can take as long as it yeah. needs to. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, at With- least once a month we'll be playing a game. Mm-hmm. And we all kind of miss reviewing comics. It just got really hard to do on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do now, roughly the last show of every month, we're going to do our own comics roundup for that month. What you read, what news stories maybe kind of caught your eye, what's coming out that you want to highlight. So, Or maybe what's been sitting on our reading table for, sure. I don't yeah. know. Oh, boy. Like I finally sat down yesterday and uh, read all three books back to back of Astoria. Oh, okay, right. Judas Priest. Were you bawling? I there was one line in book two that I read and I teared up and almost started crying and had to put the book down for Ooh. a minute. Oh boy, I'm gonna have to think about uh, what. Oh, uh, it was something Hippolyta said, and I'm just like, nope. Nope, need a minute. I'm going to get up, stretch my legs. Um, but yeah, like, we do. We we miss comics. Yeah, and, yeah, we really do. And I, like, that's what most of mine is going to be. It's going to be a lot of backlog that of stuff that I'm like, you should read this because by now it's in trade. <laughs> that had not occurred to me. I do have a lot of unread comics at my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just maybe, maybe this will be the kick in the ass I need to actually start reading them again. Yeah, I think the only two books that I managed to keep on top of is Usagi and um, Something is Killing the Children. Ooh, that's on my wish list. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, but there there are others that now I want to like sit down, just chew up, and then bring to the table. And I love the fact that we're going to be able to do that every month. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. And, mm-hmm. you know, it'll get me to start reading comics again. Mm-hmm. Um, because I said this before, like the more you work in comics, the less you get to read of them. Right. So <laughs> it's much like working in gaming. Sure. Yeah. 
you don't get to try any of the new games really or play any I, games. Oddly enough, I think I'm the the one uh, staff member of Guardian Games that plays games the least. I think all of my coworkers play games all the goddamn time. <laughs> um, well, the kids are more social than the olds. They are. It, it's also I'm not used to having free time. Mm. Free time. You, you know, like no, this I, is actually I yeah. I know exactly like what you mean by like in this exact example. Uh, my nephew uh, over the, hol- the holidays like learned that I have a Switch, and they convinced me to uh download the new pokemon game mm, we would mm-hmm. we would like play together essentially and then once the holidays were over and everyone went back to their respective states they wanted to still play together and so every now and then we'll get together on like discord or no now he has his own phone so he calls me and then i bust open my pokemon and he'll be like how far have you gotten am i <laughs> Dude, I don't even remember the last time I played this game. I do remember it was the last time that he and I had spoken on the mm-hmm. phone and played Switch together. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just like I don't I don't really make time for video games the way a 12 year old might. Sure. For me, it's the fact that I went from I I had 40 hours of work, 20 to 30 hours for a gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, podcasting, any number of other weird events that I did mm-hmm. to, I went to work. Right. And I, like, I sometimes am at home on weekends, like, what am I supposed to do? And America's like, you're supposed to relax. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the thing that you have not done for years. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really bad at that also. Um, no, like that, I, I know. Shocking, right? I, I think everyone in this room is. We kind of and I congregate to feel together. guilty. Yeah, especially if it's the middle of the day and I've like say I've caught up on all my emails, I got some good writing in, and like whatever. And all of a sudden, I find myself being like, I have like two hours. I really don't have anything to do. I'll go look for work instead of like, I'll watch a movie I haven't seen yet, or. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll make some candles for fun, or maybe I'll take another shot at making my own diet. Like little things, I like. Maybe I'll go back to working on my Lego Galaxy Explorer. I don't do any of that. I just start to pace like a caged lion throughout the house, trying to find something to do. My my problem is a little bit different. I I definitely get enough rest. I I very deeply value like my restful times, but or like like me time. But I'm not using that time in the ways that I would most enjoy, like like working on a craft or a project or my books or my games. Um, no, I'm watching stupid shows and like dicking around on my phone or like on the weekends, I like to lie in. I, I wake up pretty close to the same time as weekdays, but mm-hmm. I, I, I lie right. in and I'm having my coffee. Maybe the news is playing and I'm just dicking around on my phone, yeah. catching yeah. up on the week's TikToks or some shit. I, I, I found that I end up disassociating with my phone as a response to you're not relaxing so i'm just going to shut off my brain just goes fuck fuck you that that might be what it is it it is like that i think that's that's why people end up disassociating because they they aren't listening to the fact that they need to rest and relax and do something enjoyable right yeah certainly Um, not cleaning my house i know that much 
Isn't your house like in cell mode now though? Is it ever even dirty anymore? Well, I'm not, it's not ready yet. It's not on, oh. it's not for sale yet. So it is still quite dirty. It's just a lot more empty than it usually mm. is. Oh, okay. Which makes it look cleaner, but just it's not like less you, filthy. A dirty, right. empty soul. Wow, dude. <laughs> Damn. It's pretty good. You can what say you that. mean? <laughs> Holy, Holy shit, dude. <laughs> Did that disappoint you, Cable? No. <laughs> Oh, damn, that's right. <coughs> All right. Well, while Aaron dies off mic. Um... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I realized that uh, setting forth the uh, the format of what's going on, that that's like three things. And there's usually three, you know, four to five weeks in a month. We like to still leave some room for, oh, these people want to pop in or oh, yeah. this mm-hmm. thing happened and we should talk about that. Yeah, I guess we should say, like, essentially, those are our goals is to do at least one of each of these things in each month. Yep. Yes. Uh, that's that's as formulaic as we've as we've managed to to get with it, um, especially because, you know, with the live format, you know, like if if a really exciting guest can only do the third Wednesday, uh, well, then that's when it's going to happen. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Tuesday, um, Lemon. It's Tuesday, Lemon. It is Tuesday. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we've got some good interviews lined up. Just waiting for them to respond. Yep. Well, I mean, the first one that we will have for this month, like we said, is uh, Keith Baker and Jen Ellis, who are the uh, working couple of Together Studios T W O Together, mm-hmm. um, that created such games as Illimat and Gloom, and the Adventure Zone series. The Adventure. Oh my god. Oh. I keep forgetting about that game, the Adventure Zone series that they did. Um, yeah, they need to get it back in stock. Oh, um, okay. Like the, their attention has been focused on production for Illimat, uh Second Edition. Uh, they've also got a bunch of other things coming down the pipeline. So, uh, uh-huh. I. Well, hopefully they can tell us more about that. They'll be able to tell us some, but not everything. Okay, so, which will be fun. I think around Halloween last year, Keith Baker through DMs deal would release an actual like Eberron Ravenloft domain. No, oh, jeez. Um, yeah, never got around to getting it, but he spent some time on that. Like it was like a a big big book kind yeah. of thing. I think it's appropriate that the last time that we implemented let's do games mm-hmm. um, live. Um, yes, um, that. Uh, when we kicked that off, the the first month that we did that was with Keith Baker. Was that our first? Our first, yeah, our like first one was Keith Baker. No, it was twenty twenty. It was January twenty twenty. Before the world ended, we did it January twenty twenty and February twenty twenty, and then March happened. Oh, and we went complete remote. Yeah. Show. Yeah. Yeah. I. Because I feel like March we played at your. Home. That was the year before. Oh, that was 2019. As I say, oh. yeah, I was I was conflating it with because we you know we used to do games sometimes, right? But that it wasn't our. Monthly. This was yeah. The, in 2020, it was official that like yeah we're gonna do this. We're gonna do a game a month, and we reached out to Keith. 
He brought on Cthulhu Gloom. We played that on air. It was a lot of fun. You I won. I beat him. <laughs> um, I love telling customers, like, this is Gloom. This is how you play this game. Keith Baker is a local. I have literally beaten Keith at his own game. <laughs> um, awesome. I, I get the impression, though. Like, I got to tell Jen that story, and she's like, I don't know if you know how competitive Keith is. <laughs> so... I, we might get asked for a rematch on that. Oh, man. Um, anyway, but there's a... Um, we, we did that, and then in February, the day that we did it, you were out, but we had um, oh. Indigo Kelly come in. Oh, that's And we right. sat and we played King of Tokyo. That's right. Yep. Those are the that's two right. games. Because the game that I had picked next was... Um, is a kind of star trek inspired game called the captain is dead which i is a, remember yeah it's a co- yeah it's a cooperative game where you're on the bridge of a starship and the captain has died and you're trying to save the ship is that the one where you're all yelling at the same time that no, no no that's, that's space, space team that's yeah. space team okay which i'm glad we actually. both knew that Woo! um we need to work on our high fives we do we um do. Yeah, this the space team isn't Star Trek themed. It's just it's I just mean, yelling. I mean, it might as well be because you know they've got like the the reverse coupler wand and whatever. Yeah, like, like made up <laughs> made up names like wonky tools. Ha- yeah, hand me the spanner. Hand me the hydra spanner. <laughs> Remember, you can always reverse the polarity. Whatever you're doing, reverse the polarity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that uh, so. That's still on the board if we want to play that. But I think we should. I think we owe it to the captain who gave his life for us so to what can... not play the game. Yeah, but yeah, that that was. Wait, so is the captain is dead? Isn't Star Trek themed? It is Star Trek inspired. Oh, inspired. It's not actually Star Trek. Okay, Space I'm... Team I'm... is the one you were thinking of with the shouting. That yeah. one is not Star Trek right. based or inspired that we know of. It it feels a lot more Galaxy Quest inspired. Okay, which is fine. <laughs> you know what? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I just remember all the shouting. A couple times I played it at was a space team, mm-hmm. um, and I had a blast. It is a lot of fun, and it's it's ridiculous. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a like a card based tabletop game, but there is also an app nowadays. Yeah, oh, that yeah. makes sense. Which is okay. even more frantic and stressful. So much fun. That. Just like life. Yay! <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, that's what we've got coming up. I think it'll be pretty good. That that should also help our, our listeners if they are like, hey, you know what? This book came out. I if you if you've all read this, we'd love to hear about it in your comic roundup to see what your thoughts on it. Were. Right? Yeah, or, totally. Or I just played this really great game. I it plays really short and it does this. I think you guys would love it. Throw those recommendations Definitely. our way. Yeah, totally. Probably not like settlers though, right? Like no one. No one needs us to play Settlers of Catan or anything, right? Um, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm not playing Settlers of Catan. Mm-hmm. I'm not playing Ticket to Ride. <laughs> um, I'm not playing Azul. Um, right. These are all fine, great, really games, great games, fantastic games. I already know that I don't like them. And also, they've like hella been done. They've, they've, they've someone. There's there's no shortage of reviews or live yeah. plays of those. Yeah, games. I'm, I'm just ever slow down in terms of moving units. Is what? 
Does Catan, has it ever slowed down in terms of moving units? You know, what fascinates me is it has not. I, that's what I mean. Like, like, I we still go through like a dozen Catan a week. A dozen? Right? I don't understand it. I, are they, is someone eating them? I was under the impression that it was, hello, welcome to Portland. Thank you for moving here. Here's your McMinimins card. <laughs> Uh, your, your McMinimins beer yeah, your, yeah, your McMinimins uh, punch card. Um, your uh, um, I hate Starbucks sticker, uh-huh. and um, your copy of Catan <laughs> that no one's going to play with you. Um, um, yeah, even when I ran a Tifa, um, I went through five a week, and we were not a game with comic book shop. Um, it was ridiculous. But I can actually tell you how much Catan we go through. Yeah, the person that I that was always annoying thinking about Tifa is the managers aren't allowed to place the orders on their own. They have to go through somebody else who hadn't understand retail in twenty years. Somebody else who uh, someone else in within Tifa, but not, yeah. who is not a store manager. Correct. Hadn't set foot in the store in over two decades. But so that, seemed, re- that seems good. And but smart. was maybe related to the brother of the owner, so they were able to keep their job allegedly. Well, they weren't allegedly driving out to Madras with scratch and dent hot toys and allegedly selling them for alleged weed. All allegedly. Okay. Unproven. Okay. Um, Yeah, they never understood why I was always placing orders for Catan. I was like, because they sell out. I was like, if I ever don't have a copy and someone asks for it, they just leave and they don't come back. Mm -hmm. So I don't ever want to run out. Okay, so... <laughs> but when they do come to buy it and you have it and they and they buy it, do they come back then? Uh, yeah, you become a you become a trusted retailer then. Yeah. I'm gonna hurt your brain. Oh god. I mean, All let's right. do it. So um the point of sale that we use currently at, at Guardian, we mm-hmm. began implement we implemented it starting in November of twenty twenty. From okay. November of twenty twenty to now. We have sold the number of Catan ish, uh, um, copies of Catan we have sold. Just the core game. Averages a copy of Catan every other day for two years. Just the store. Yep. And just the core game. Yep. Yeah, that hurts my brain. 365. Right. I'm like, what is the population of this? That's an entire, that's one a year. This is over a two year period. So that's one every other day. One copy of Catan every other day for two years. Someone's eating them. What the hell? We've already sold three this week. It's Tuesday. (laughs) Every bar has one? Every bar has one. If if it's a board game bar or they have games, they're going to have it. Uh, Yeah, this is what... uh, Like, games fascinate me. Like... Who buys what and why just fascinates me. Um, We have the giant uh, three-dimensional. I've seen that. It is cool looking. It is. It's great. Um, There's also a Seafarers and Cities and Knights 3D edition that goes with it. Um, I've never seen the 3D one. Oh, my God. Have you not? It is cool looking. It is. I've also never played it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, uh, by the time 
I might have gotten around to it. It was I mean, like no one gave a shit anymore. So sure. Well, clearly well, no that's one around. Not true no one. Or, they... No one I know. Right. Are you buying a, bit, a copy no. of Settlers of Catan every other day? No, I have one. So the the Settlers of Catan, the 3D edition, it came out in August 2021, right? Mm-hmm. This is a $300 item. This is a big ticket item. Everyone already out. has Catan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I meant to hit my mute button and I hit funky music. I'm sorry. So um, we've still sold uh, 13 copies. One of them a month ago. <laughs> I mean, this one has only been out about a year and a half, so that's less. But what I I mean, mind boggling. It's also a three hundred dollar version of Catan. It doesn't do anything. It's just three dimensional pieces. There's l- no other change to it. You know what it is. You know what it is. It's all the uh, it's all the childless dual income nerd households. Uh, that are about in this town. I'm one of those. I don't have a copy of this. I don't want a copy of this. Other nerds. nerds oh, okay. Nerds legally distinct from you and I. Right, right. Um, yeah, no, I, I cannot account for this much buying of, of the game. I mean, it takes like a million years to play one game, doesn't it? Um, like an all-day thing? Oh, no. No? No, it's not an all-day thing. It, if, you're, if it takes you all day... Bl- to play Catan, you are playing with some um, rule lawyer motherfuckers. Mm, okay. um, the game that takes all day to play is Twilight Imperium. Oh, I don't know anything about that game. Oh my god. Okay, so Twilight Imperium is space politics. Um, it is almost space politics in real time. An average game of, of Twilight Imperium is eight hours. I oh my don't god, know, look how huge this I don't is. know that that includes setup. Is that Twilight Imperium? See? <laughs> he knew. Um, yeah. The only one I know that can take... This is not counting like Axis and Allies. Because those are old school war games. The only one I know that can take a long time if you let it by using expansions is Arkham Horror. Mm. Arkham Horror, Eldritch Horror, Elder Sign, and Mantons of Madness are all designed to be a minimum two-hour games. They're usually four to five hours. Right. Well, I thought that, what's the card one? Eldritch Horror? That one's meant to be the fastest in like an hour. Elder Sign is actually... Then I might be thinking of Elder Yeah, Sign. Elder Sign is the smallest box. Okay. Um, Arkham Horror and Eldritch Horror are both two to four hours... Um, Mansions of Madness requires an app, um, which they developed so that someone could stop being the DM for the game, essentially. Right. Um, But yeah, that is also like a a two to four hour game. Yeah, I heard now the app for Mansions even helps you with setup. Yep. Like what to do. Yep. Because some of those games, even that is like a daunting task of setting up. Yeah, and, and that's... That's why it's hard to get people to the table for those things. Like anytime game setup takes up to an hour, right? You've immediately kind of like it doesn't take an hour to set up ticket to ride. No, you just go. Yeah. Yeah. 
you, you fold out the board, you hand everybody colored trains and you start building your railroad. Um, which is why everyone loves playing it because they can sit down and play a game and be done with it and, and move on with their lives. Uh, the people who go nuts over games are the ones that want to sit down, spend 40 minutes putting together the board and then get everyone else to the table to play the game. The The rookie mistake is getting everyone to come over, sit down for the game, and then you start setting it up once everyone's there. Uh, you yeah. don't do that. Do not do that. Have it ready. Um, if you, yeah. 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 Especially if you have people over. I remember the, the, First and only time I played Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter is a massive time suck for time setup. Okay. Um, it's a zombie survival game. Right. I've um, seen it, but I've never played it. Yeah, and it, it, you can play it with a trader mechanic in it, mm-hmm. so that um, one player may be doing something underhanded. Everybody has a secret agenda as well as a public agenda, but one of them might be to actually undermine the the camp. Um, the friend who was putting this on, I went over to their house. They already had it on the table. Everything was all set up. Um, they had suggested roles for people. So it made just sitting down and playing the game so much easier. It's, uh, it's honestly what influenced how I like to treat, um, play Betrayal House on the Hill. Mm. This is like, Mm -hmm. I will run the game. I don't have to play it. I don't need to be sitting and being one of the players. I will stand there and walk you through the rules so that you can just play. I will set things up. I know where things are. I'm fine damning the game because it's much more enjoyable for me to watch how the the players interact with each other. Sure. Well, and it 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 makes it smoother for the gameplay and less um, frustrating at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, like w- whenever there's like a question about the mechanics or like you know w- whether or not this breaks the rules or is in line with the rules it like it kind of brings everything to a halt you like you lose mm-hmm. time just trying to decide can or can I or can I not do this and having an arbiter there at the table mm-hmm. kind of keeps things going and and mitigates those frustrations and considering my personality type is definitely more um administrative <laughs> it, it's like I enjoy that because mm-hmm. then I get to see people's interactions and I get to see how things work and help them work through it. Right. Versus games like Star Trek Attack Wing where I'm totally fine. Like I want to be a participant. I can't roll dice to save myself, but <laughs> oh man, that game. I love that game and it frustrates me so much. Yeah. I wish it got as much like company support as the Star Wars one does. Hmm. I wish I knew what went on at WizKids. I really do. That they're just like, eh, it's track. Because WizKids doesn't do, is that Fantasy Flight? Fantasy Flight does Star Wars. Right. And I heard they lost the role-playing license. Is it a weird... They didn't lose the role-playing license. They, um, f- they opted not to make role-playing games anymore. Okay. Um, and the people that made their role-playing games went, well, that's, we, can we still do it if we just go over here and be someone else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Fantasy Flight went, well, yeah, sure. Here's all the licenses. Really? Even this one? Well, no, that one you have to go ask Disney. Okay, fine. But everything else? Yeah. 
So uh, a company called Edge Studios. That's it. Yeah. Took the Genesis and all Genesis related systems, and that includes Legend of the Five Rings, um, Terranoth, and uh, Star Wars. They had to get Disney's approval on Star Wars, but they um, are presently republishing all of the collected works right. from that. So when you start seeing them on, they're just now coming out. So if, when you see them on the store or on the shelf at the store that you go to, it will not say Fantasy Flight anymore. It says Edge Studios Edge on Studios. the spine. Okay. Um, the thing that they are behind on, like. The books have been coming out for the past couple months, and it's great, and it's nice to have them back on the shelf again. Genesis-related systems require a specific set of dice that is not a polyhedral set. It is not a classic polyhedral they're, set. They're ten-siders, right? They're not ten-sided dice either. They oh. are proprietary dice. Oh. It is a proprietary mm. dice set, and I don't know when they're coming out. What shape are they? Yes. Oh wait, they don't know. <laughs> they're they're a polyhedral set, but they're not a classic polyhedral set. So there's like four D12s, but they don't have numbers. They have icons. There's like two D6s. There's a uh, two D8s. Like it, it's they're really weird. I kind of want them to be like sexy dice, where like each. You know, that would, I'd be fine with sexy dice. Well, I don't mean that they are sexy dice, but the same in that same way where they're like one this dice is the action and this die this die oh, is the, the body parts. So right. you're like, lick your elbow. <laughs> right. They don't always come out super sexy. Um <laughs> right. So like like Yeah, like actions and descriptions and okay. I don't know. This just seems like an idea that So maybe, it is just like how it was in the, the Star Wars game and, and, and Attack Wing to an extent. Yeah. That they have symbols. So it's a, there's 12 sided dice. There are eight sided, but there's no numbers on them. There's right. Symbols. And... Yep. And it's the same stuff that this is the same dice set that they use for any Genesis system. Genesis is their nondescript um, role playing game, it's their GURPS, essentially. It's like here's our our role playing system. Now you can put this on it or do this. Sure. Um, it's like cipher system or um, oh crap, what's that one? Well, there's Savage Worlds. There's yeah, Savage Worlds, Fate. Um, there's another one. It came out now. Or I don't understand the logic of creating a game that needs proprietary dice. That feels like just shooting yourself in the foot. I'm not a fan. Yeah, I'm like. As long as someone's willing to buy it, that is the point because they're going to make more money off of the the dice. Yep. Sure. It, uh, it it's very much the same model with the Games Workshop. Um, like th- they do as many things that as they can that can be proprietary that uh, so that they can make sure they lock in that copyright and only they can do the thing. Yeah. I feel like I've. But they've got. It kind of got the lock on it. It's not like, well, I guess there are other war miniature games you could choose from. They are the D&D of tabletop miniature games. Yeah. When you think, when you mention miniature gaming, someone says, they'll say Warhammer. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Warhammer and miniature gamings are like synonymous. 
even though I, I never really got it. I think the only one I came close to was, um, what is it? Catalyst system. Um, uh, it had a role of uh, Iron Kingdoms. What the Iron, oh, King, yeah. Iron Kingdoms war game. Iron Kingdoms is War Machine. War Machine, that is it, yeah. Um, yeah, so here's the, the difference between those games. Uh, Warhammer 40K and Warhammer Age of Sigmar are both um, mass army games where you, you usually play what's called 2,000-point games, and that refers to the number of points that you have to build your army up to, which when you're playing 2,000 points, that's usually like, I've got 20 of these guys and six of this and 15 snipers and this tank. Right. I and, kind of always assumed that Warhammer was like a dorkier version of Risk. Because isn't that what Risk no. is? Like, well, you have you have like a big map and all your little doolies, and you can you, know, you nope. push your guys out. Nope. Like 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 a sand table, like a tactical sand table. Risk comes down to its area control. Right, but how does that play out on the board? It's not little little meeple that indicate soldier numbers. Yes, Warhammer is each you each figure is its own figure. It has its own, like so. If I've got fifty different figures on the table, mm-hmm. and it's my turn, I have to decide what each of those fifty miniatures do mm-hmm. to my opponent's fifty miniatures. And then after I decide what's that, and that happens, then they get to do the same thing. And then three hours later, we've done that three times. And one of us is won and one of us is lost. It like I I don't Warhammer takes like four turns total, but those wow. turns take an hour. Yeah. Wow. Because you're moving each of these individual things. Um War Machine, and so there's Warhammer and Age of Sigmar. Warhammer is science fiction, uh, Age of Sigmar is fantasy. They are massive. Right. War Machine and Hordes are They're more like skirmish games, right? They are. They are skirmish games where you have a leader of your team and about a dozen underlings. So turns take less time because there's only so many units. You've got your 12 guys versus their 12 guys. And sometimes you may go, our object is who can hold on to this for two turns. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, or who can take out the other person's uh, team captain. Um, Warhammer has developed skirmish games. They have uh, the skirmish game for 40K is Kill Team, and yeah. for uh, Age of Sigmar is Warcry. It's instead of massive army, it's skirmish. It's mm-hmm. a small gang. Gotcha. And then they have a sm- even smaller versions of both. I think it's... Um, Necromunda for 40k and Underworlds for Sigmar, which are both essentially played on. They're almost like traditional board games where you've got about six pieces on on a board, a regular game board. Huh. Minis games, this is why minis games are so inscrutable to people. It's like, this looks neat. How the fuck do you play it? Yeah. Yeah, I all of those had a different style, and I never would have guessed that. I would yeah. just assume they were all kind of the same idea. And, and this is yeah, yeah, that's 
why game store employees exist <laughs> because uh, we have to know this yeah. stuff because you don't get this when you go buy it online. No. Right. Um, <laughs> I do wish I'd have gotten, I heard it was a good game, but like it didn't get enough support from Games Workshop was that Dreadfleet game. It was kind of a self-contained like fantasy pirate monsters. Yeah. Every so often they, they throw something out there and they try to do something and, and if the Warhammer crowd doesn't go for it, then it fails. Then they bury it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they tried to do that with uh, planes a, a couple of years ago. Was it their aces or wings? Uh, or... It was Aeronautica, I think. Okay. Oh, War- yeah, yeah, Warhammer, yeah. like 40K Aeronautica. It was They were really cool space planes. No one wanted to play it. No yeah. one cared. Uh, I think no we blood for the blood god with those games. No, there's not. It may it may also seem strange that we've devolved into a conversation about Warhammer. Not really. I guarantee you, this is information that our listeners and everyone else is going to want to know about in two years when the Warhammer television series hits Amazon. Yeah, starring Henry Cavill. Starring Henry Cavill. Right. That's that's a thing that is happening. It is. Oh yeah, it's happening. He has been Warhammer's biggest. Most public celebrity supporter. And what's um, funny is he he doesn't really play it. Um, he likes to collect and paint the minis, and he gets really into the lore. He talks about how he loves he does the lore and the history because there's like organized play that has an ongoing story. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. I I yeah. Which when you get into the lore, and a lot of those books are there, hundreds of forty yeah. k novels. Um, a couple of them are written by very well-known comic book writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Andy Lanning is one of them. I think so. Um, but the, the lore behind 40K, it happens to be the thing that I'm like, it looks cool. I don't want to play it. And the lore, <laughs> it, it's because of the lore. The lore of 40K is there is there are no good guys in 40K. No. Everyone's a bastard to one extent or another. Yep. And Norm says, yeah, I've met some very fashy Warhammer 40K folks. Yeah, that's always... we that comes with a lot of miniature gamers, though, I've noticed. Yes. Hmm. That is the ugly side of gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, I am happy about the fact that the community in Portland, the more especially the more obvious you are about the fact that you're really into war games because in your head, this is how you would have played out how the Nazis would have won World War II. You get booted really fucking fast. Right. <laughs> um, which is good. I don't think that happens with the worldwide 40K community, but I do know that Portland has yeah zero, like, not zero tolerance, but they they have a low tolerance for bullshit. Yeah, and Games Workshop has come out and has has tried hard, but um, it's one of those things like it's out of the bottle kind of things, you know. And the imagery of 40k leans into it really easily too. Oh yeah. Um, I I think on 40k's website that they actually had a letter that talked about the fact that it's like, look, our game is fantasy. This is fantasy. It's dark fantasy. There are horrible things that happen in real life. If you think this fuck off, right? 
go don't play our game we we don't want you if you were a fascist we don't want you in our community yeah well that's something at least yeah and they've tried to do a role-playing game and there is a role-playing game there is it just I, i've never known anyone who plays it i tried their space one a few years ago i was like what dread trader rogue rogue trader rogue trader yep it's gorgeous oh yeah it was crunchy as hell though yeah but it was like what if you're a star wars smuggler but way darker like darker than like and bleak than like the expanse in terms of like how bleak shit is out in space i'm i'm now slightly afraid that we've sent bean down the wormhole or down the the rabbit hole of uh 40k no, no, I just told y'all like all of the different hobbies that I'm not participating in. I just go home and doom scroll. Um, what I was curious and hoping to find out is why 40K? Not 30, not 50, 40K. Uh, 30K is, uh, there is 30K. Oh, um, you've ruined my joke. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, 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 I do want to understand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't know it, 30K either. There is because they started, they make models and have a story that's part of the storyline of what happened 10,000 years before the events of 40K. And that was the Horus heresy and there's that storyline. I don't know why they picked 40K, but they did. I'm Uh, sure they had their reasons. Um, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it does look interesting. You know, the fact that they have all of this lore uh around it but i i don't think i need to play space war game i i think I'm, it's I'm well, all yeah. good on the war gaming i think it's lifetime. important to know about it it, it like uh, again if you're going to get into mini gaming which i'm into mm-hmm. it is good to know as much as you can about warhammer because the warhammer's existence influences all other mini games whether they want it to or not. Right. Because you either struggle to be um, as different as you possibly can be from Warhammer, or you just turn right into it. And it's like, oh, no, we just copied Warhammer. Right. Hence, it's the D&D of tabletop minigames. It's the D&D of tabletop minigames. It's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Right. Um, And it wants its banana. It just does. Uh, I will say that... I'll be interested to see how this plays out this year. The whole thing that went on with the Wizards of the Coast mm-hmm. and the the leak about uh, the OGL and all that bullshit. Yeah. And then having pushback from the the people who buy D&D that was like, "Oh, yeah. We're we're canceling our we're, we're going to take that money away from you." I think the canceling of your D&D Beyond subscription probably had the greatest influence. Not the, I'm not going to see the movie. I'm not going to do this or I'm virtue tweeting. Like, yeah. No, it that, that does nothing. That does nothing. Um, canceling but, your prescription, subscription. Yeah. That yeah. That tangible numbers that they could go like, see, we told you. It, it, it produced tangible numbers that apparently one of the other board members went, fucking fix this mm-hmm. so news just came out like two hours ago i think i read on polygon the head of wizards has now like basically said like that decision was made in a boardroom where we were not invited to yeah mm-hmm. of, there was no no kidding i know i was telling people that i was like it's hasbro you guys well we was just part i was like 
don't know how the corporate world works. Like, nope. Hasbro, Wizards had no say in that no whatsoever. Say, none. And Hasbro could give a shit about the role playing side. Right. They want to sell toys, minis, t shirts. Wizards is not blameless about things. No, um, no. I still want to have a long conversation with them about Magic the Gathering, but. <laughs> um, Where the real money is made. <laughs> but yeah, the, but that whole thing uh, about how the fan reaction helped change that, apparently in. Customers of Games Workshop, who produces Warhammer 40K, they all started taking notice on message boards and went, "Wait, you can, you can do that. You can, you can get companies to stop doing shit." <laughs> like, oh right, I keep forgetting. Every Warhammer player, every single one of them, every time Games Workshop makes a change they dislike. Or raises prices in such a way that is clearly price gouging. They all go, oh, man, Games Workshop is raising their prices again. This sucks. Here's my money. (laughs) Every time they complain about it and then they fork over all of their money. It's like, what are you doing? So they're now looking at this going, "You, you mean we could have... We could have not given them our money and maybe they would have changed how they did things. It's like, yes. Yeah, and I remember... Welcome to collective bargaining. Right. I do remember (laughs) this happened a while ago when 3D printing was just starting. Like someone was able to get a hold of the 3D models of a lot of Warhammer Mm -hmm. and just put them online for free and Games Workshop nullified that entire line. Mm -hmm. They're like, storyline's dead. Books are dead. We will not support it. Yep, We're going to do this. Yeah, they're they really and do they still have the rule that they have to be a separate section of a game store? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Wow. You're not allowed to put any other miniature games in the same like aisle. They think very highly of themselves, don't they? They, they do. And for the longest time, they were the only game in town unless you played super nerdy like Napoleonic Wars with cardboard cutouts or lead figures that were passed down from like my great uncle Bob used to play Waterloo in the basement. Yeah. And again, that's that's not the same as playing Risk? It's not, no. No. Okay. I just really don't understand Risk, apparently. Risk is just resource management. Yep. And getting Papua New Guinea and building it up and building it up, building it up, building it up. I've played, <laughs> I played I Risk, Risk once. When he was a kid. I played Risk once in my 20s uh, with two guys that really loved playing it. And that game went on far too long for my taste. I think while the three of us were playing, we played for like an hour and a half. And once I was out, Mm -hmm. it took them 20 minutes to finish up the game. Um, Mostly they were angry that they could not figure out what my strategy was the entire game. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I didn't have one. I was just having fun pissing both of you (laughs) off. And so I've never played Risk since because I'm like, I don't like this. There's nothing about this that interests me. I've, I've, I've no reference to the game has ever made it sound appealing. Um, it's, I've, and I don't think I have ever known anyone who likes it. So I've it, just, just gone I my believe, whole life. It's a war like, game. I believe like Monopoly, Risk's original intentions are not how it's played now. Mm. I believe it was developed for people to build strategy, but also to a reminder of like, 
maybe war is dumb and it's ever ending and we should Here are the real it. costs of war. Yeah. Um, they did make one called like Godsend, like a risk game with like dealing with like the like the Greek gods. Mm, mm-hmm. And that was all I remember that was cool because if like some of your armies died, or you would intentionally let them die because conquering Hades was also a territory that you wanted. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, is it, is it Godstorm? Yes, Godstorm. Godstorm. Um, I will credit Risk for changing the Euro board game landscape, though. Mm-hmm. Because Risk was the first legacy game. Oh, Risk, that's right. There's really? Risk, yeah, they came out with Risk Legacy, and that was the first legacy game where you played this game, and then that changed how you played your next game, and then your next game, and your next game. Um. The first Euro style board game to do that was Pandemic. Yeah. And that opened the floodgates for all of the current legacy games. Someday I'll play Betrayal Legacy. Someday. Right? Someday. Because I know when you're done, you have an all new version of Betrayal in the House on the Hill built on the stories you wrote, you told before. Yep. That's bitching. Yeah. I also have a, a box that's I, still in the plastic. And I'm probably going to buy the third edition, especially because Cable shared me the expansion that looks fucking righteous. So that expansion was supposed to have been out last October. Whoops. That tracks. That makes sense considering how it looks. That's very much a They revealed it at um, Gen Con. Oh, okay. I don't know why we got it last week with no fanfare. Well, it's just how like all the shit with the OGL... I feel yeah. really bad, really put a stamper in uh, the golden piece of the golden vault adventure coming out. Yeah, like, that comes out on the 21st, by the way. Oh, I want a copy because I, I I get to do Ocean's Eleven in D&D, which anyone who knows me knows. Yeah, that one. I love. I need that box. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, the, the Blood on the Moon. Blood on the Moon. Oh! What what fascinates me about the the box art, and then we'll go back to the golden keys, and then we can talk about Avatar. Yeah, we'll have um, to take a quick break because we've got half hour yeah, left. Like it's games, we like no, talking I, about I games. Know, I'm not saying it's um, so the design work on uh, uh, Blood on the Moon, one hundred percent in the style of the alt art covers for a lot of the D and D books. Like I. It looks it matches the same kind of alt cover that they did for Well Beyond the Witchlight or um Sanathar's Guide to the Everything. Like it's gorgeous. It, it has a it has the the vibe of like a special printing of a book. Yeah. Um the box itself is supposed to represent a book that is an in-game object. Nice. Because it the Blood on the Moon uh as a betrayal expansion for third edition adds a seventh character to the game. Um, five scenarios that are specific to that character. So I think once you put it like the way that third edition is set up, you have to select um, an overall theme. Kind of like the Scooby-Doo version. Exactly like the Scooby-Doo version. Mm. That that was the major change. That was one of the major changes that they did. Like the major changes from or the changes in both Baldur's Gate and and Mystery Mansion were implemented as part of third edition. Right, right. So those are the changes of third edition. Um, yeah, I'm planning on T 
teaching staff, uh, like I'm going to do a game night with the staff here at Guardian where it's like, here are all the versions of Betrayal and here's how you play them. Right. That sounds fun. Cool. That sounds yep. like a fun day. But yeah, Keys of the Golden Vault also. I'm, I'm actually pretty I'm jazzed about it. And I know it's also, it's a pseudo blatant tie into the movie, but okay, fine. So what? Who cares? Both are just drawing from old D&D lore, so yeah. complaining. It's got a quiz it on the cover. Yeah, unless you get the alt cover, which is a really cool looking golden locking mechanism. Do you want the alt cover? Absolutely. Okay, I'll put you down. Yes. But take a break. It's basically, yeah, really quick. It's basically like one shots, which means I can grab like, oh, a nice. couple from there. I can grab a couple from Candlekeep Mysteries, jump around in the Radiant Citadel. Like they're all like one shot adventures that, yeah, I'm excited. I think it'd be fun. Thanks. Oh, Bex is uh, two chapters into Legacy, uh, the, the Legacy version I of Betrayal. That. Yeah, um, you'll have to tell us. Um, well, not too much. Don't ruin it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, uh, you have to tell us how you like it. I am envious of Bex an awful lot, so I am I find I mean, myself envious of them once again. That's fair. So yeah, let's take a break and come back with Avatar. And a break we shall take. First off, uh, Revnat. Revnat. Oh, I spiked that. Revnat. Revnat's hard cider. Uh, if you go to his website, shop.revnat.com, or if you're part of his newsletter, you know that he's got a special uh, Valentine's Day kind of sale going up. He's also bringing back the version of the uh, the New Year's speakeasy with a Valentine speakeasy. So check out Revnat's. Um, yeah, just check out revnats.com or just Google Revnat's. It'll all come up. And see what he has planned for the season of year. Should I do the rest of the commercial? Oh, I turned into Buffalo Bill really fast. I'm oh, cider. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Um, also, if you live in the Portland area and you are 21 or above, this Friday is Omzi After Dark. The theme is prom. Both myself, Nat, and a few other amazing folks will be pouring New Moon Mandarin. The pre-sale tickets are all sold out. But they always keep some on the side for day of event. So check it out this Friday at Friday night at OMSI. OMSI After Dark, Three Prom, uh, Revnat, myself, and a bunch of other fine cider folks will be pouring samples of New Moon Mandarin. And before we get back to the show, talk about Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. They are the country's greatest game store. They are all-inclusive, diverse, doesn't matter what you're into, what kind of games person (laughs) what i'm saying is that guardian games is an amazing and open place and they also host fantastic events like the female focused board game day galentine's day so yeah they're doing galentine's day it is sunday february 19th from noon to 6 p.m what's really cool is that there will be some uh, female game designers who will be talking about their process of making games and how you can get more out of games be it as a player or a designer so that's a fantastic opportunity to learn more about the hobbies you love. So check them out. Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And, you know, it's always great when you mention that you heard about them or you popped in for an event because of Geek in the City Radio. It goes a long way. Let's get back to the show. Um, hey, and we're back. Yay. Actually, you guys need a Don't be. I'm boring. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> no, Bex, you're interesting. Um, well, I'm not going to put your business out there, but 
you you do and tell us a lot of interesting things. So indeed, um, everyone I think thinks themselves boring. Like, oh yeah, I sure. know I am boring. I know I'm boring. Right. Um, and now look at all these delightful nerds just hanging out listening to us. Yeah, because they yeah. So every everyone has something interesting about them. Some people have more interesting aspects than others. Um, but what's nice is when you start hanging out with people, then you learn how those parts, different parts fit with one another. And yeah, it's neat. Now, I'm pretty sure that we could hang with Bex. Definitely. Uh, they'd they'd want to hang with us, but we'll, we'll, yeah. anyway. Um, Aaron has stepped away, but he'll be right back. Um, we're talking Avatar. Yay! We're finally in season three, you guys. Can you believe it? It only took us how long? Too long. A year. Was it? Is, we started did, watching Avatar last year. Did we? Okay. So then it was it just, it was just the end of long. the year where we sort of kind of got sidetracked with all the other, all the stuff that happens at the end of o- the year. October hit. Yep. And we dove neck deep into horror. Yeah. Um, And have stayed there. Like, I, I wasn't trying to turn this into a horror podcast. I just like horror a lot. We all do. Yeah. If if we didn't want to have done that, then I'm sure we would have steered you back the other direction. Sure, that's true. Much sooner than it's like. How about we, you know, slow slow our roll on this horror thing? It's like no, it's it's more horror, more, more horror. horror, more more horror all day, every day. Um, but also Avatar. Also Avatar. Um, so the first episode is called Awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, and. We're in book three now, so this is book three, Fire, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, and when we last left off, uh, Ang had, Ang had uh, been killed and resuscitated, yes. and everything looked really shitty for our our heroes, so that's, that's where we come into. Yeah, it's pretty grim. The whole gang basically fled uh, the city of Ba Sing Se, mm-hmm. uh, and... Yeah, Aang was ostensibly dead. Yes. Um, all right. Do you have our uh, our handy little IMDb synopsis for this episode? Oh, I, I don't. I can get it up. <gasps> what? I was counting on you. I know. And I let you down. <laughs> Hopefully you can forgive me. Jeez. Unlike, was... unlike Cable, I'm always disappointed. Yeah, no. I know. This is why I can't I can't joke about mean things because Aaron immediately is like, "Yep, that's correct. I believe that, and uh, and yep. now I feel bad." Whereas I, you can be disappointed in me, and I'll go, "Yeah, okay. I will somehow find a way to move on." Um, so <laughs> it's like, and yet, <laughs> uh, I will. Just find the will to live. I need to make everything happy and calm. Will always be like, "No, you're right. Sorry." I, I, I don't know what to do with that. I know. Smile and nod. And, and move on. Ooh, a pirate ship bed. Sorry. <laughs> um, no. The Awakening. Weeks after the fall of the Earth Kingdom, Aang and his friends must infiltrate the Fire Nation. Katara meets her father for the first time in years. Zuko returns home 
but is uneasy with his newfound reputation. That's, I feel like that buries the lead on a lot of things. On the first episode? Yeah. Yeah, um... It is pretty much all of the things that are happening. Right. On paper. Yeah, but that that's also like it should be Zuko is written with guilt and is terrified to go back to the Fire Nation because dad's gonna be pissed. Or he thinks dad's right. Well, yeah, I mean like, he has like when no your idea. own when your own father like casts you out of the kingdom, um after permanently scarring you. Yes, yeah, after ruining your face, um you're gonna have it. some complicated feelings about about going home again, even if you, even if he had, in fact, accomplished everything that he had set out to accomplish, he would still be conflicted about going home. Sure, it's it's the trademark of of children with abusive parents. Nothing you ever do is going to feel good enough. Correct. <laughs> Did I break the show? No, no. <laughs> a lot of silence. Just dead eye staring into the camera right now, like that is correct. Yep. Uh, but not only that, what we what we learned throughout this episode is that Zuko has an inkling that even though everyone thinks Aang is dead, it's probably not. I think I think Zuko's pretty confident Aang is out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we 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 get into that further into the show, but but yes, uh, we actually see him having a flashback memory of his time with Katara when they had been in that cave, that like jail cell cave Mm -hmm. um, where she was going to heal his face Mm -hmm. with her magic healing water. And that didn't happen. So now she knows that he knows that she still has it. um, And she is the one who swooped in and took Aang's body before it hit the floor. When uh, Azula zapped him in the back, shot him in the back. Like the coward she is. Yes. They're easier to shoot when they can't shoot back. You defend Azula a lot. I know, not because I actually, I don't actually like her. Mm. But if you need a good foil and a good villain to hate on, she's got to keep doing stuff like that. Yep. That's true. Yeah, no, she is not the one with a redemption arc in this series. No. Uh -uh. No, she's, uh, I've talked to my coworkers that have all, oh, Grown up watching Avatar. <laughs> oh. And one of them told me today, I was talking with another co-worker about the gorillas and where we were in 2001 and what we were doing. And one of them just quietly pipes in. It's like, I was born in 2001. Okay, get out. you can get out of this conversation. Get out. I looked at them, I thought we were friends. Get out. <laughs> oh. But how, anyway, your, how do you betray your me like that? But yeah, they like they grew up watching this, and they have every time I mention Azula, they're like, "Oh, I love Azula." I'm like, "How?" It's like she's a very complicated character. She, they they do this. I'm like, "Okay," yeah. like she's also the villain of the entire show. It's not Fire Lord Ozai, right? No. As no, he's much the, he's the MacGuffin. He is the MacGuffin. The real villain of this show is Azula. Yes, but that that doesn't mean she's not complicated or interesting. Like, um, why is she this way? What? Why is she such a fucking monster? You know, that's that's worth being curious and interested in. Um, 
we get a glimpse of what that is in about three more episodes. Uh, I always kind of assumed it came from being told, well, A, from never being told no. I, well, don't spoil it for me. Don't, I, I mm-hmm. won't. When episode five is called The Beach, when you get there, a lot is explained. Okay. And the interpretation of what what that is is you just sit there and go, oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. I, I will add episode one and into episode two. Now I am seeing Zuko's face turn. Yes. Yeah. Because I knew it wasn't going to... This is where... It's not even telegraphic. It's just like, oh, it's it's happening. Kind of. Yeah. Hope nobody kills his girlfriend. Mean girl number two? Yeah. Me. <laughs> I, I'm... Yeah. Yeah, don't tell us. Don't um, tell us. I, I, Aang, I'm trying not to project anything. Hey, does look weird with hair. Yes, he does. He looks like Cable with eyebrows. It's freaky. <laughs> <laughs> or or Cable with a head of hair. Yeah. No, the eyebrows are the weirder one for me. Huh. Yeah. I've never seen either, so I... Yeah. I have. I got nothing. I just, just my imagination. I, I did... Uh, I th- for Sulu. Yeah, it was for Sulu. I grew my hair and eyebrows back. And it was a whole year of people going, no, yeah. <laughs> I've it known was, you too long the other way. It was this, unsettling. No, this doesn't work. <laughs> That's how I feel every time I have uh, my, my head is blonde but, you know, and pre- John, preemptively for, for coloring. Right. Just don't and let like, John Byrne see you that way. Who? I've, I've been blonde. When were you blonde? God, when was the last time I was blonde? On purpose, though, you're saying? Yeah. Oh, no, see, I only ever have this, like, I don't know, half-hour window where I'm like, maybe I should stop here into the mirror. I'm like, is this is this right? Do I do I like this? Uh, well, I'm already, I'm, they're already mixing up the color, so let's just move on. I think I first bleached my hair, oh, God, when was this? 94, maybe? 93, 94? I thought we were friends. <laughs> we did it again. Oh, oh come on. How was I not going to bring that back around? Oh. Uh. How dare. That, that <laughs> means so is Merrick. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's between you and your uh. Uh. Mm. Anyway. What that, can you know? <laughs> um, so Fire Nation. Full head of hair. Oh, that was I'm like, <laughs> how did we get here? Full head of hair. Yeah, Aang looks weird with a with a. He with does a head look weird hair. with hair. Um, but everyone's hiding out on the Fire Nation boat. He's been a, unconscious for weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, hence the full head of hair. Uh, I like that we get a, a glimpse of like that whole thing about like Katara meets her dad again. It's like she's met her dad. She just hasn't seen him. It was weirdly phrased. I didn't care for that synopsis because it also says like, "Oh, they're going to in they're going to infiltrate the Fire Nation." They're technically already there when the when the episode starts. Yeah, because they run into another Fire Nation ship. Yep. Um. Yeah, because they're nearby the Serpent's Tail. That weird road. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. uh, From season two, because it has that giant snaky thing. Um. But yeah, like like uh, Katara is definitely feeling some things about her dad. 
Yeah, she's got some abandonment issues, naturally. Uh, yeah, they just, they manifested in in a more angry, why did you leave us kind of a way, as opposed to Sokka's, which was more uh, self-doubty in the, in like, you left me behind on purpose kind of way. Yeah, and that, that was fixed pretty quickly where it's like, oh, oh, dude, I left you behind because who else was I going to leave behind to protect everyone else? You were the you were the guy, and I would argue that uh, Katara's situation also resolved pretty quickly. Like she's mean to him, and like really like standoffish for a couple every every scene we see them both in, um, and then once you're past like the second third of the episode where you know things are happening, that's when she kind of has like her emotional moment and like says outright, I. You you left us. How could you leave us? You know, and which does seem sudden for the viewer, but if we take it from the context of she's been like that for two years, let's say four weeks. Oh, right. While Ang has been unconscious, Mm -hmm. and it's only when Ang goes, "Why are you mad at your dad?" She's like, "I'm not mad." Why would I be mad? That she goes. (laughs) That internally, it's like, "Oh fuck, Mm. I'm mad." And then compounded should, yeah. by Aang leaving. So yep. that's the that's the key part of this episode, right? Is Aang is first he's upset that people think he's dead because he's he's not just supposed to be a, you know, like the savior. He's yeah. a symbol, right? Like he can't really be the avatar if people think the avatar is no more. Right? Yeah, it, it's what happens when Superman dies. We're like, who's gonna save us now? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's he's our hope guy. Yeah. If, if there's no, if there's a Superman, we can't have hope for ourselves anymore. Yep. Um, which is infantilizing, but okay, I get it. Um, and so then, um, Aang is having a lot of inner turmoil of his own with with dealing with. They have this plan that involves everybody taking down the Fire Nation as a team. Aang is upset because he can't be the avatar. He has to kind of stay in hiding and that's not what heroes do. And he also already feels like he's failed and he doesn't want his failure to be the reason everyone else has to put themselves Mm -hmm. at risk. Forgetting that this whole time they've, you know, everyone has been coming together to be his team. Right. And when he takes off thinking, I got to do this myself. That's, that was the tipping point for Katara. Which is also a a common theme in any show that has, or any story that has a, a, chosen, a one. chosen one. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got a face. Like how alone. many times have we seen this in Buffy? Yeah. Or uh, yeah. Luke not finishing his training. Yep. Right. Which is technically also true. Aang has not actually finished his training because nope. he is not handle. He's not dealing with fire bending, and he bailed on the. the 17 chakras, right? Um, seven, seven, 17. I was like, what? Um, fire, water, air, earth, uh, steel. If they're following, no, they they don't follow that. I can, I can tell you, it it was like mind, body, and soul essentially. They are earth, water, fire, uh, heart. That would be probably the soul one, light, sound, and then the last one was thought. Oh, so they're kind of like Captain Planet. Yes. If you say so. <laughs> Earth, air, fire, water, heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Isn't that also the same as Captain Planet? That, that is, is Captain Planet. Planet. Oh, I must have. My brain told me something different when you started that. Captain Planet. He's a hit. So Aang is Captain Planet in this yep. scenario. Aang is Captain Planet. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what else? What, what else is important in this episode? Um, Uncle Eero. Do we see him in this episode? Not episode two. It's episode two around. that we see him. No, no, but um, oh, here we go. It's not just Uncle Iro. It's that. Um, so again, Zuko has a lot of conflict about going home yep. for the first time, and and then he's home and he's still being weird about it. Yep. And we find out that Azula has been padding his resume. She gave him credit for things that didn't <laughs> I happen. Like, I like how you phrased that. That was great. <laughs> She's totally setting him up. Absolutely. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. out of the goodness of her heart. Even he is suspicious of, like, why are you... She doesn't you have any. look good to dad? Yeah. Uh, she She's not that kind of bitch, right? Uh, but she gave him credit for taking down Bossing Say, capturing the traitorous Uncle Iro, and killing the Avatar. Iroh. Iro. Thank you. I couldn't remember. I never remember. Um, the Avatar thing... Arguably, she does believe that he did. No, no, she she actually kind of like tries to call him out on it. Like, oh, unless there's something you're not telling me about the Avatar. Uh, Azula kind of already knows he's lying. Azula mm-hmm. has plans within plans. Yes. Always. Um, there is there is one thing that you can count on. And that is Azula will do what is best for Azula. Yes, she will, she will double, even triple cross a motherfucker. Yeah. Um, yes. And Zuko knows this. He he can he knows that she has ulterior motives. I, th- yeah. I think he calls her out on it, but um, she she passes it off. Uh, she gaslights him. Yeah. What? It's like I, I would never do such a thing. That's silly. I'm I'm guessing that as lo- as this continues to go, eventually Zuko is going to be like. Okay, maybe she is being genuine and she, you know, she really is trying to do me these favors just in time for her to finally pull the rug out from under him like he up until then had absolutely expected her to do. Yeah. And then dance off. <laughs> then the rave in the cave. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's, that's episode the next two. Episode. I mean, do we have any other thoughts about this episode? Um, I, I think the thing that threw me a little bit was uh, the sudden what felt like the very sudden um, relationship between Zuko and May. Like, wh- what? Um, yeah. Th- another thing that managed to develop in, like, I don't know, three or four weeks is uh, they're, they're an item now. I think, if I remember correctly, though, May, we knew that May was interested in him. Like, like it came sure. up back in the day. Um, or it, it was a thing back before Zuko had been uh, banished, right? And it, it's mentioned when Azula gets her Mean Girl gang together, so it's not really a surprise um, when they are presented as a couple just a couple weeks after they've sort of all come around together uh, and are heading back to the Fire Nation. Yep. Um, although between episode one and episode two, they seem like they're pretty serious and i guess that part is a little bit surprising i i mean if you consider that they've known each other growing up the entire time that's true so um yeah i it's no more or less weird than the fact that that tylee also seems to have a thing for Sokka. so 
That's right. Oh, yeah. that, hasn't, that one hasn't come up in a while. Well, they haven't, you know, they haven't had scenes together in a while. Like, I don't think Sokka has anything for Ty Lee because she's clearly the enemy. Right. Um, but Zuko is seems pretty into this relationship, uh, which I'm suddenly reminded that there's an episode in season two where he goes on a date with a girl and he's really weird about it. Like, he did end up doing some, like, nice first date things that, like, could qualify it as a good date. But it ended very weirdly. He was weird the whole time. Yes, because now, he was n- pretending to be someone else. Yeah. And there's still a lot of that going on with this. Yes. But yeah, I think now we can talk about episode two, the boy with the headband. Or just, just the, the headband. headband. Posing as a regular kid. Aang goes to a Fire Nation school and sees what's missing from their lives. Zuko visits his uncle in prison. Um. <laughs> Yeah, he does. But... Uh, I'm I'm going to say this: the majority of the episode is footloose. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. As, yeah, we learned that like, there is no fire dancing. Or there's no dancing there no in dancing. the Fire Nation. Yeah, yeah. No, new kid comes to school, fish out of water, and he teaches them what it's like to be children and have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Like that's that's the kind of. And Zuko calls his uncle a coward. Yeah, but yep. that that is the kind of undermining. Uh, authority that needs to happen in the fire nation to give any sort of resistance a foothold great like it was it was really cute it was a cute episode it's a cute episode it feels like a lot of like additional character building Mm -hmm. as they're like going full speed to the finale and some of the character building is the fire nation they're establishing you know like they're they're showing us a lot about what it's like in this country um to include all of their propaganda also which there's a lot of. Yes. Yeah. We see like, that in oh, both look episodes. at that. This is the first episode, I think, that's trying to present the Fire Nation as more than just a monolithic bad guy. Yep. yep. They're instead portraying it as, you know, the United States of America, which it is. Well, it's the first time we ever meet Fire Nation civilians. Yep. Right. Is what it is. Um, I've watched ahead. I'm on, I, like, I've watched up to episode five. You watched up to episode three, I think. Mm-hmm. You're, just two. you're just these two. So I will say that the more important storyline in this is definitely Zuko and Iroh. Um, because we do finally get to see what happened to Iroh. Mm-hmm. And he is clearly rotting away in prison. Um, will not speak to Zuko. I, I kind of don't blame him. No, not at all. Like, the thing with Iroh and what we know about Iroh is he is still very much loves Zuko, wants... Good things for him. Wants him to choose the right path. Mm -hmm. He is definitely... Like, he's disappointed. I was going to say, he's given him that silent, I am very disappointed. And it's not about the fact that, that, you know, ostensibly Zuko is the reason he's in prison. It's it's not about himself. Mm-hmm. It's it's about Zuko going back to those shitty choices. And I'm sure that there's a, a point where Iroh says, I, I tried. I tried to get there. I tried to get him there. I, I don't I don't know what it's gonna take. Mm-hmm. Right. But I can't give up on him. At no point do I feel like Zuko's or uh, Iroh has given up on Zuko. No. Um but he can't He's not ready to process it yet. No. And he or, also doesn't think Zuko's ready. No. And Zuko's not. He's no. not. Uh, I just had a mental image of what might could happen that would like be finally the final, you know, nail in the coffin 
for for Zuko being a bad kid. But I'm not going to say it because I don't want to. <laughs> well, and we don't really have time today, so. Uh, I will say that the next episode, um, the painted lady is much in the same line as the headband where it is, it's a fun episode. It's a cute episode. Um, it's, I don't feel like it does a lot to further the major plot. It is more character development, which is fine. Yeah. yeah it's it's a little bit of a bottle um, episode. It, it technically could have happened in any area of the world. Yeah. It doesn't need to have been a fire nation. Uh, quite honestly. So is uh, episode four and episode five. But they are fundamentally important for character development. Um, the Painted Lady focuses on Katara. Um, Sokka's master, or Sokka's master, mm-hmm. focuses on Sokka. Um, so far, that might be my favorite episode. But you keep mentioning it, so I'm, I'm looking forward is, to this one. I don't think I expected to like Sokka as much as I do. He is... Uh, he's a little bit of a dark horse. He he totally comes off as like the the kind of dummy, idiot, uh, the comic relief. Yeah, but he yeah. is actually really smart. He's not. Yeah, he's not actually comic relief of the show. He's funny. He's their Xander. He is. Yeah, he's very much their Xander. Yeah. After Sokka's master, that statement right there, you're gonna go, oh, okay. Get an eye stabbed out. No, he doesn't oh. get an eye stabbed out, but. <laughs> It, it is it is very soccer focused. Okay, cool. And then the beach, the beach actually focuses on the Fire Nation kids, the main girls, uh, and Zuko, Zuko, Azula, Tylee, and May. Um, it answers questions, and I'm still uncomfortable with the question that it answers about Azula. Ooh, <laughs> oh boy, I am excited for these next few yeah. episodes. You are really selling them. So oh, I'm clearly I'm enjoying this season more than I have the the previous season. I don't season one just wasn't my jam. That's that's the baby show for babies, and you're still sort <laughs> of like, what is this? Like, why is it like magical Asian world? You know, it's I'm still I still wonder that 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 Richard Lobo, are you does not now, cease right? to come up. Um, I I think I still bring it up because I think it's still a valid criticism of doing any work where you are not part where you are clearly um, using inspiration from a culture that is not yours. If you are a bunch of white folk making a television show that is based on Asian cultures, I am going to give you the side eye. You know, it would make the show better. Copyright has, um, Sean Wynn. If Scarlett Johansson did all the voices. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's a good place to end it. Yeah, that is. Uh, next week, we're going to have on uh, Keith Baker and Jen Ellis of when are we going blank? Together, Together Studios. Together. I was going to say Tomorrow's, which is a publishing mm. company. Yes, no. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're gonna come in, talk about what they've been working on, and talk about the second edition of Element. Yeah, which will be really cool. It will be in stores, I think, starting February fourteenth, Valentine's Day. Fantastic! Perfect Valentine's Day gift. Yep. Oh, yeah. For and the gamer in your life. It will. It's also not only Element, um, but it two expansions. One is a reprint of the Crane Wife, oh. and then a brand new expansion for it. Ooh. 
Nice. Well, that'll be all next week. Yes. With that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Bina Rita. And I'm Cable Hajitani. We will talk to everybody next week.